all the stuff that we weren't really that sure was going to go viral crushed it. And the only reason that we went viral was from relentless consistency over time. Welcome back to the EarFluence Podcast, where businesses can learn how to amplify their expertise. I'm your host, Jason Gillikin, CEO of EarFluence, and with me today is Jeb Burt from Burt Media. How's it going, Jeb? Let's go. Stoked to be here, man. Man, I was trying to think when we met, and I think oh, it yeah. was your podcast studio it was me. <laughs> way back at City Platte. Way back at right across the street. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So we came in and just recorded a, a few episodes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Bunn was there. Yeah, y'all did a couple there. Yeah. And then you went on to bigger and better things in video production and Snapchat, and we'll get into all that. Yeah. But if I remember right... We were looking for, I was looking for a suggestion on on a mixer to use for our podcast That's studio. That's correct, yep. And you're like, well, I've got this roadcaster that, this. you know, we're not really using anymore. Nope. And uh, we met at a Target or a Walmart. <laughs> yeah. and uh, With the family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I bought our first roadcaster from you. Did a little uh, street <laughs> deal for the roadcaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was awesome, man. That's right. Yeah, that was like three years ago or so. That was so. like right as COVID was being was becoming a thing, and like we had that studio, and it it was a uh, a lot of like uh, technicalities with people wanting to come into this space. Um, mm. But yeah, that that's that's uh, when we got linked up. That's right. Yeah. So tell me about Burt Media. Tell the audience about Burt Media. Yeah, well, it's funny because you hit on like when we were trying to figure ourselves out, like yeah. back in the day, like when we first started, it was a lot of trying to do trying to do everything for everyone that wanted something digital, right? And we were like an everything services digital agency and then thought podcasting was super cool, did a podcast studio for, you know, I think it was like three or four months and uh, finally started realizing about a year and a half ago that we needed to simplify ourselves. Oh, yeah. We were doing way too much and every day was way too chaotic. And we got to the point where we're like, hey, you know what we have done really well and what we really love doing is building media brands. Yeah. We're not good at websites. We're not good at like branding something or making a logo or whatever, but we're really good at like helping someone figure out who they should be online and becoming that. Yeah. So that services simplification came about as the same time as I tell people I went through my quarter life crisis. <laughs> I shaved my head. I rebranded the company. Uh, my logo was my face. I looked like a Steve Aoki type of character, Jeb and company. And then we went to Burt Media because we had some larger contracts and we felt like we needed to just sort of reimagine who we were to the world. And uh, Burt Media was born, I guess it's really been a year and a half, two years ago. And ever since then, it's just sort of been this awesome growth and and clarification and team building and finding things that are really start, starting to drive revenue to where we sit today, where I feel like I'm a lot less stressed, mm -hmm. way more excited every day. And that whole, that whole journey, you know, you guys were part of, you saw that firsthand oh, yeah. of like, maybe we should build this thing and do this thing, but it just didn't, it didn't align with who we were. Yeah. And uh, now today we feel like we've really hit it. That's awesome. So, so what are you doing right now? Yeah. Like, what is your specialty? The, the specialty today goes back to that idea of we build media brands, and what yeah. we what we what that really looks like when we talk to someone is we're going to help you figure out what your what your brand is. What should it be called? What what should you produce on a day to day basis, a week to week basis? And then we're going to help you make that. Yeah. Now, for us, it's predominantly video content. So we're talking about like your weekly video series, your daily short form video. Um, we're looking, we're doing more and more newsletter based media brands right now, which I'm really excited about. Um, so that foundation of content creation and media brand development is really at the core of everything we do. 
And then we'll add on to that in other in other ways from a standpoint of like, let's add paid media into the mix or copywriting itself. Or what are what are some of those other like growth strategies that could help you build your media brand? Yeah. Um, and that delves us into basically all of the digital platforms of today. So we're on TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, you name it. Um, we've tested it out. We're building on it. Someone we're working with is building on it. But when someone wants to build that media brand, we want to be the people that they think about to come and build that, especially yeah. when it has a video element to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you were super smart in focusing on short form videos. Yeah. Right. Because it's just lightning right now. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because when we were building and this goes back like two or three years, like this was when YouTube shorts had just become a thing and yeah. people were like, is TikTok here to stay? Uh -huh. And like Instagram Reels was this copycat of TikTok that people didn't think was legit. And then yeah. like, oh, Facebook's introducing Reels. And like Pinterest has idea pins and Snapchat introduced Spotlight. Like all these platforms decided to do short form video. And, you know, as an individual, I'd always just loved video content in general. So I was like, this is this is the thing. Like we need yeah. to we need to figure this out. And then we need to go do this for people because this is the wave. And I'm all in on that. Right. Yeah. So you've had some successes with short form videos. For sure. Um, talk about some of your yeah. success. So the first one goes back to right when YouTube shorts was becoming a thing. And that's what put the light bulb in my head of like short form video is a is going to be here because YouTube was such a, a video juggernaut and still is. Yeah. So I was like, we got to figure out short form video on YouTube. And we launched this theme page called Epic Humans. And it was essentially just a, a concept to test short form video. We needed something that wasn't focused around a brand that we could do a ton of content on and just iterate. And in like a matter of three to six months, it was a top 25 YouTube channel in the world. Number Whoa. one video had 250 million views, like lots of videos over 50 million, 60 million views. And we were like, oh, I think we figured out how to build a media brand. Well, wait, what was it about? Like It was all, it was like, people are awesome, but it was our version of it. So Epic yeah. Humans. And we were just on YouTube shorts we were just doing multiple posts per day, basically sourcing content and distributing. And it was really a test. And, you know, it wasn't our content. It was content that in most cases we'd got permission to use from people. And we were just hammering it day in and day in and day out. And it just blew up. We yeah. got featured a couple of times as like, you know, a channel that had like really grown off the back of YouTube shorts by one of these like YouTube channel news outlets. And it was cool just to see that there was massive viewership and like success with it, but we never made a dollar off of it. Uh -huh. And it was just like more of a feather in our hat of like, oh, we know how to do this. So now yeah. when I go talk to someone, I can be like, oh, we built a top 25 YouTube channel in 90 days. Yeah. Do you want to do something like that? And don't get me wrong. The content for our clients looks a lot different than what we did with that. But that experience and that foundation gave myself, gave my right-hand lady, Sammy, like the confidence to go into these conversations and be like, no, we can do this at a high level. Yeah. Now here's the investment. Here's what it's going to look like. Like, let's get it done. Right. So that was the first one. And then um, I was a super early adopter on Snapchat Spotlight. Uh -huh. And I don't know if you remember this, but Snapchat Spotlight had this crazy PR campaign going when they launched where they were giving out a million dollars a day. Keep in mind, I'm old. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so this was wild. When they launched Snapchat Spotlight, they they wanted people to use it because like uh -huh. TikTok and Instagram Reels were a thing. And Snapchat was like, let's I guess they said, let's do something crazy. So they were giving out a million dollars a day to people to go viral on Spotlight, literally just like putting out cash. So I was like, why don't I just try this? So we took the Epic Humans brand and put it on Snapchat Spotlight. I remember just like spending my evenings doing like 20 uploads because like, I got to go viral. I got to go viral. I got to go viral. So I would like find clips I liked, run them up. 
and put them on there. And then one day I get this notification. It's like, your spotlight has been chosen to earn money on Snapchat spotlight. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. I wonder what, I wonder what video it was. So I go on there and I'm like, there's no way this is real. This seems like a joke. I got paid out $97,000 from Snapchat spotlight for one video. What? That got 1 million views. Oh my God. Crazy, crazy. So that mixed with my YouTube experience, I was like, oh, short form video and media brands are the wave. Like I gotta, I gotta be on this as hard as I can. Okay. So I had all of these things happening when I was like still doing Jeb and company, yeah. but really interested in media brands. That was just sort of me like side hustling things when I was like, oh, this needs to be like our thing. Yeah. Cause we're over here trying to build like a Squarespace site for, you know, a couple right. grand. When right. We could be building media brands. So that's what just all of those things together gave us that clarification where it's like, let's go plant our flag on that yeah. and see if we can put a team around this. Cause if I can do this in a couple hours in the evening, why not try to get like 10 people that do this every day and see what happens? Yeah. So all of that has kind of led to this network growing out of that media brand experience to where now we operate media brands on Snapchat as a significant part of our business. Mm -hmm. where We have 11 different shows across a bunch of different niches. And then we have the agency side, which is still working with individuals and organizations to help them build their media brands. Yeah. And that's across all platforms. Right. So we've got an interesting duality. I tell people we have an agency side and a media side. They're two separate teams that do really different things but we learn a lot on the media side that cross pollinates into our agency side. Yeah. We're like, Hey, we're actually doing this ourselves and we're crushing it right now. So we got to bring this to y'all. Okay. So it's cool. We get to practice what we preach a little bit, man. So I want to go back to, or I, I want to hold on that for a second. Yeah. And, uh, I, I want to learn how brands can leverage for sure. Snapchat, what you're doing, for sure. you know, if they, if brands can't afford to hire you, what are some tips for, yeah. for short form videos and Snapchat? Yeah. But let's go back to the $97,000. Oh, yeah. How did you view that? Was it like seed money for you to, to yeah. build out your team? Like, how did you? It's so it was a little bit of everything. One is like, you have to pay taxes on that money. Yeah, so it's yeah. not, it, that's what it was. It's like 50,000. Yeah, yeah, it's like 50,000. <laughs> I used it to help buy my first house, which was uh -huh. super cool. Cause I was like, oh, something I did in media, like literally just turned into this structure. That's amazing. So that was such a cool real like moment. And I documented a little bit of my YouTube channel when I was doing daily vlogs, but just like walking into that and being like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. The hustle paid off was yeah. super cool. And then after that, I didn't have that much money left, but I think I had like enough to hire some more virtual assistants, like people onto the team that just like, sort of helped us build out really what was sort of this like, not failing, but just like confusing agency side of the business. So it wasn't really seed money for anything new, but it did have like a very personal achievement that felt exciting. Well, that, yeah. that's huge. I mean, yeah. that makes you comfortable. For sure. Right. And, oh, yeah. and you knew what needed to be done now. Yeah, exactly. For the next steps. It was like, can I rinse and repeat that? Now, since that promotion has gone away and I yeah. like, I feel so... I look back and I'm like, man, there's not much I would do differently. But after I had made that, I kind of backed off of it. I'm like, why did I back off? Oh. I should have like tripled down. <laughs> but for some reason, I think I was, I think I didn't believe it. And yeah. it took like 45 days to even get the money. So I was like, there's no way. So for 45 <laughs> days, I was just like, there's no way this isn't going to happen. I'm like getting weird status updates. <laughs> Oh my so gosh. It was, so that, that moment I was like, dang, I should have just gone hard, but hey, it, it paid off in a cool way. And then it, it really the biggest value, honestly, looking back on it was just the realization that yeah. like this platform is actually super legit because now we've gone all in on snap and that it's way, it's way more fun for you as a person to focus on this day to day than do these other things. Right. So that value of 
of where our business transitioned isn't infinitely valuable, right? So maybe not dollar cents was the biggest value, but that was super cool to have that. That is awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some tips. For sure. Okay. So I am older than you and I don't know a lot about Snap, right? And I think that most decision makers in businesses mm-hmm. are probably closer to my age sure. than than your age. Yeah. And that what that means is you're probably having to teach a lot of people what is the value of yep. Snap, yep. right? So go into that first. Like, why why Snap? Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I don't hear about it as much as like wouldn't. Facebook or Instagram yeah. or you know TikTok or anything like that. So it, it's a great question too, and I, you know. I hate to say that like people shouldn't be on a platform because usually I advocate that if you can be everywhere, you should be everywhere because mm-hmm. it's very little cost at this point in time. And my foundation for all, most of what I say is that this is the first time ever in the history of social media that you can have one video or you can have one asset and be active on every platform. Yeah. Because back in the day, it was like you needed a photo, a written post, maybe a, a widescreen video over here. But now, if you have a vertical short form video that's under whatever the requirement is, because it's always changing, let's just say like a minute, minute, Yeah, you can be literally on every platform, Pinterest, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you are. So with that as the foundation, why not be everywhere? Because different platforms behave to different content differently, right? Mm -hmm. Like something that works well on TikTok may not work well on Instagram or it may go viral on Snap. Now, your audiences are going to look different, but the way that I think about it is that a lot of these uh, platforms are distribution outlets for your brand. Mm -hmm. Because we're approaching the conversation with most of our people like, hey, look, you've got a hub platform. Hub and spoke is is a big model for us where you've got like your main piece that goes out somewhere, but your spokes are all of your other little pieces that go out. Okay. So the more spokes you have, the more awareness and traffic you're driving back to your hub. So maybe your newsletter is your big thing. Yeah. Maybe your YouTube channel is your big thing. Um, whatever it may be, your podcast is your big thing. Yep. But the more awareness and traffic that you can drive back to that hub, the better. So when I think about that model, Snapchat Spotlight is just another one of your spokes. Yeah. That if you're already producing micro short form video, it's a very little cost to put it somewhere else. The cost is making the piece. Mm -hmm. Getting it onto another platform is minimal. So the audience there may be different than what you would normally expect. Like Snapchat definitely skews younger in terms of its most active users. Yeah. But we've resonated with a 25 to 34-year-old demographic on some of our shows on Snap. So the people are there. I mean, there's like 300, I think it's 300, maybe it's 100 million. Don't quote me on the numbers. There's hundreds (laughs) of millions of people on Snapchat. So there's got to be some people in your demographic there, right? So in, and from that standpoint, you could probably find some of your people there, but I like to really come at it from an angle of let's make something that can go everywhere and be everywhere because we don't really know what's going to work. You can't plan virality. I mean, one of the things that I've learned through all of the viral wins we've had is that all the stuff that we weren't really that sure was going to go viral crushed it. Mm. And the only reason that we went viral was from relentless consistency over time. Yeah. That's what leads to virality. And constantly trying new themes of content and wanting to iterate on winning trends. But you've got to be able to put yourself in a position to have that win. And putting yourself in the position is actually all the work. The platforms are going to do what they're going to do, right? But if you're you're posting every day, day in, day out, or multiple times per day, you're putting yourself in a position to win. And that's what we focus on with all of our people. Are you put in the right position? 
Because then good stuff's going to happen eventually. It mm -hmm. may take three months. It may take six months. It may take a year. It may take 30 days. We've had someone win in seven days. And we're like, oh, hey, this is great. It just, it just changes. But if you know you're putting your, if you know you're putting yourself in that sort of space and doing the things that are going to get you that win, then it's going to happen. That's yeah. awesome. Man, I really love that hub and spoke analogy yeah, because it's sure. so true. For sure. All and right. it helps make it more bite-sized for people. Yeah. Because when people come at it from an angle of like, oh, I have to make something every day. Yeah. Like, how am I going to do that? Well, actually, you're just going to create one thing a week. It's going to be a little bit longer. And then we're going to make the other seven. Huh. So that's how it's just makes it a little easier for people to think about media brands because they're like, okay, I have to make four things a month, one thing, a, one thing a month or whatever. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, we're helping make that thing very similar to this. Like we probably would show up with cameras and like shoot a vlog or like mm -hmm. shoot, a, shoot whatever it would be in video. But same, same analogy for podcasts. You make your one hub piece of content a week, but then you can just be dripping short sure. form clips. I mean, you were doing cameras right now. Like this, this conversation could be cut up at least seven times, right? Yes. Yeah. Dude, you are you are selling our services right now. Yeah, right? <laughs> Clip this and put it on the airplanes <laughs> on the page. But it's so true. I mean, all right, I always tell people there's three reasons people sign up with us. Yeah. And one of them is business development and networking. Yeah. Uh, second one is thought leadership and top of funnel marketing. Yeah. And then the third one is just content creation. Because sure. when you have a podcast, yeah. it can be repurposed for social media posts, yeah. for videos, for newsletter, for blog posts, for, for sure. partner websites, for all these different things. Mm -hmm. And people have to feed the beast. Like Businesses feel like they have to feed the beast. And yep. they feel so much pressure yep. to be on Instagram and Snapchat and all these different places. Yep. And it's like, how do you do that? Well, I mean, a podcast can be a great way to do it. That's right. Or doing one video and you repurpose it to, to seven For sure. you know, different um, short form videos. For sure. So talk about that more. And I don't know if you have a, a good example that you can share of something yeah. recent that you've done where you did a, a longer video yeah. and then it was cut up into like daily episodes Definitely. or daily short form videos. I mean, we've applied it in so many different ways. The one that comes to mind right now is for uh, some retreats that we've done. So we'll go out with these these uh, travel influencers. We've been to the Maldives, Mexico, uh, Greece. Wait, did you travel there? Yeah, I got Stop. to travel there. Incredible. <laughs> Come Incredible. on. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. I'm so jealous. So uh, I got to give a shout out to Jeremy and Angie. But uh, they host these things called the Creator Retreats. Yeah. Where essentially 10 to 15 people from around the world fly out to learn how to work with a luxury travel destination. So for, for that engagement, you know, we're creating a long form recap video, but we're also creating daily recaps, pulling out little moments of like, they, they give away a drone to someone there. So we pull out the drone giveaway. Yeah. We, we do like B-roll compilations of each day. We'll do a, a daily recap with little interview segments or whatnot. So, you know, we're there for, I think it's five days. So by the end of the whole time, there's five videos that have already been created. Yeah. But then the whole backlog of like interview slices and dices, all of that stuff turns into a ton of different social content. Right. And then other people, you know, where we're just doing consistent YouTube content, you, you hit on a Joe Bunn. Joe Bunn's a great yeah. example of like pulling out little moments from those shoots where, hey, you might go shoot a wedding. We'll do these things called gig logs where it's, hey, I showed up, this is how I set up. It's for mm -hmm. other mobile DJs to get the inside scoop on how he's doing stuff. But then you pull out a footage of you pull out a reel of just dance footage or mm -hmm. like this, the cryo can and getting blasted and like yeah. the bride's dad's face. Like it's just you find those little <laughs> moments within that where it's like, oh, these are great little social nuggets. And it, it can just be as you're going through your editing process, you're just extracting things. I always tell people this. It only has to be five seconds. Yep. It only has to be 10 seconds. Like, don't think you have to create a one minute video. Just can I extract a five second clip and 
we live in like a clip culture right now. So right. why not run that? Yeah. So those are two like very personal brands. Um, and then when we work with like a, a company, I always talk about creating a suite of content. Mm -hmm. So we're working with you to create a package, a suite, not one video. Um, I, I'm so like tired of that idea of where like a video production company shows up with 10 people and creates one video. And it's mm -hmm. like this professionally produced minute and a half thing. I'm like, we're there for eight hours yeah, for a 30 there. second yeah. spot. Yeah. Like me and two of my guys could make that in like two hours. Yeah. And then we would give you guys like eight pieces of content. Right. Is that more interesting to you? And a lot of people say yes to that. So we focus on while we're doing interviews, like earmarking moments that are really powerful, getting really good B roll to match to trending sounds. Like, mm -hmm. That's another one. Like trending sounds are such a driver for today's social culture yeah. that if you have a right, the right sound and decent footage, that's almost just as good as a piece of content as something with someone on camera. That's right. So a lot of it, I think, just comes from changing your post-production mentality and yeah. being like, oh, we're trying to make 10 things, not one thing. And yeah. that helps impact all of the steps of the process. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so um, not everybody can go to the Maldives and, no, uh, and bring a, a video crew yeah. along, right? <laughs> But let's say, and I know you're doing some work for a local coffee shop. I don't know if you yeah. can share anything about that or not, but let's just say you're a local coffee shop for sure. and you just have, you know, a few people with, with iPhones. Definitely. Like, is that enough? Like just Definitely. to, okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, three, two, one coffee. Huge yes. shouts to Lindsay and, and Michael and crew. And uh, you got to check out their greater good blend with NC state. Cause that was special. And that's how we started working with them. But to your yes, point, awesome. a lot of people uh, only have phones, they have low budgets. So how can you work within that to create a lot of content? And to me, where I would start is trying to capture more and then outsource post-production. So a lot of it is just going to come down to you trying to capture organic moments throughout the day at your coffee shop, whether it's a coffee being made, um, serving a customer, a, a coffee coming out and showing the nice design on top of it. Maybe you have food items showing those, but essentially just aggregating as much raw clips as you can, and then trying to match that up with trending sounds to create content that's good for yourself. That's okay. probably the le easiest, lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. If you have a little bit of budget, I'm a huge advocate of looking for outsourced help. So looking at places like Upwork, uh, virtualstaff.ph is a great place to hire virtual assistants mm. for, for very low uh, monthly or very low hourly costs. Yeah. Or Fiverr is another place where you can have people batch edit stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you can outsource that, then that makes it a little easier and that you don't have to worry about the post-production because so many people are like, well, I don't know how to edit a video. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, well, if you could pay someone $4 an hour to edit a video, you could get video content. So it's probably just putting in the effort to find that person. Yeah. And then if you need more direction for that person, I always tell people that like everything that you want to do has already been done. You just have to go find it and tell someone to do it. Mm. Like every great piece of content in, in most cases has already been created. Mm -hmm. So just go find the stuff that you like what it looks like and then send that to the person who's doing your post-production with yep. all the stuff that you made and say, hey, can I get this? So our, we're a huge fan of like remixing and emulating for brands that are just starting before you sort of start becoming an originator. So a lot of our content strategy comes from what we call our unicorn content strategy, which is just going out and finding unicorn pieces of content, which are con which are pieces of content that have outperformed on someone's page, mm -hmm. and then remaking that for yourself. So the direction can come from that. Your content creation is just you on your phone, and then your post-production is to someone, you know, outside of the country doing it for a very low yeah. hourly cost, and you've got great content right. that's ready to go for social. 
And that is probably just an extra hour or two of your time. Plus, let's just call it like you need that person for 10 hours. You're going to be spending maybe 200 bucks a month on that person. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty reachable for a lot of business owners. Yeah. And let's be real. You guys, I'm probably preaching to the choir with this, but like most people need to be thinking of themselves as media, as a media brand Uh instead of a coffee shop. Like I am a media brand that sells coffee. So (laughs) if you can help like change your mind or like flip your perspective on that, I think it helps these things start rolling a little easier for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really smart, man. uh, I just think we have so much content out there right now in the past four years of of podcasting that we haven't leveraged enough. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you think about past content um, Mm. from, from years ago, that just hasn't been used or For maybe sure. has, but can it be repurposed? Like, yep. do you ever do that where you're mm-hmm. looking at somebody's archives and be like, well, we've got gold here. What are you, what are you doing? For sure. I, a lot of the stuff that I would be pulling to would just be evergreen types yeah. of moments. It can be hard to call out. Like if your stuff is really focused around like current events, it can be tricky. So if you have like a news focused sure. brand yeah. or something that's very based around like tech news or something, it can be tough. But conversations like this, I mean, a lot of what we're saying is going to be relevant in six months from now and a year from now. So why not go back into it and say, oh, wait, I probably have a whole month of social stuff already from this. So, you know, just thinking about like people we've worked with, like Joe Bunn's in a bunch of keynotes. Oh, yeah. And a lot of his stuff that he's been talking about is has been relevant for, I mean, growing his business over the past 10 years. Uh So like his keynotes are gold for his people yeah so it's that's an endless archive of micro content and i'm By sure the way joe yeah. has been doing it since he was in college yeah that's right <laughs> so this is like 25 years of yeah, content for him. Yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> that's right we won't we won't throw his age out but <laughs> it's been a minute um love you joe you're the best <laughs> yeah I lo- lo- love you joe uh but to that point like a lot of even the popular content today for a lot of these like thought leaders or people that are positioning themselves as coaches is just captioned videos of them talking right so if you can add a attractive element to a video of someone talking that's great content right there mm-hmm. and i'm sure people have seen the animated captions where like the word pops up in the emoji and the gif just add a little razzle dazzle mm-hmm. on that basic thing and you've got yeah. great content so yeah. To your point, repurposing past stuff makes a ton of sense, especially if it's very relevant to your audience. That's cool. Yeah. All right. What else am I, what am I not asking here? What, what, what are other tips that, that you have? Other tips? That's a great question. What would I say? I mean, in terms of just business marketing in general, I think that people forget about the whole like being social on social, like social media oh, is a yeah. social platform. Yeah. So it's great to put stuff out. But if someone leaves like a paragraph response on something you've put out, don't just like it. Like this person took a significant piece of significant amount of time out of their day to be like, Hey, I really liked what you said about your routine. And like, this is my morning routine. Like show them some love, like (laughs) give like water the grass, you know? Um, we'll see so many times where people just don't, people just don't do that. Um, this actually leads me to another question though, is, you know, when you're managing social media accounts for your clients, you know, sometimes I feel like it has to be the businesses that are involved um, with sure. this yep. in the engagement. Yep. Um, you know, can it be somebody that's outsourced mm-hmm. or does it, should it be somebody that's involved in the business that's, this is that's probably engaging? The, this is probably the toughest thing yeah. about managing someone else's media brand is speaking for them yeah. at scale. Um, and, and to your point, in most cases, we default to saying community management is a you thing or like an internal team thing. 
and it works really great for small businesses who have like a, a marketing lead that can usually handle some of this or a, a small marketing team. For personal brands, we've tried a bunch of different approaches. For our for people who aren't like super scaled up, let's say they're kind of in this mid-tier five to ten thousand followers, their engagement on their post isn't gonna be super overwhelming. So we'll try to prompt responses. Got it. So we'll say, hey, here's like 10 things that I'm okay with you saying mm. and tweaking slightly. Then once your brand kind of re reaches like breakthrough capacity where like, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, a ton of yeah. community engagement, I think the expectation changes actually to where like you don't have to be so personally responsive to everybody commenting on your stuff. But when you're in growth mode, that's like actually a game changer mm. because you're trying to go from like five to 10 comments, 10 to 20 comments. Yeah. And the only, and the, the thing that changes from five to 10 is that those five people came back and you got five more, mm -hmm. right? You're not, you don't have hundreds of people that are like dropping in on all of your, all your stuff. Yeah. So the expectation shifts as your brand grows. Um, stuff that's blown up in our face before trying to have VAs do it. I mean, we've tried to have someone in the Philippines go in and like respond to people. And then that's just, that didn't work out. We had to right. change that. Um, so we've learned from some of our mistakes of, of doing that, but I think there are some happy mediums. Yeah. They're not going to feel quite as good as having the actual person do it, but it gets you at least a step closer in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. That's great. All right, man, this has been awesome. Um, yeah. I want to ask this one final question yeah. and take a moment to think about it if, if you want. Okay. You mentioned one mistake. Yeah. Um, uh, what's, what's another, or what's your biggest significant mistake that you've made in, Ooh. in marketing that you're willing to share? So when you're living like media brand world, you're constantly trying to find the thing that grabs attention. Like that's just the nature of the beast when it comes to social media. So on YouTube and Snapchat for a lot of that type of content, thumbnail is a, is a deal breaker. I mean, th mm, the thumbnail yeah. industry is such a thing these days, right? Like yeah. guys make hundreds of dollars just to design thumbnails, like look like Mr. Beast or whatever it's worth it, is. it. So our, we are constantly thinking about what is the angle on this that's going to get someone to click. So we had a show that went up where one of our tiles, unbeknownst to us, had been doctored, but it was a photo that we had found online that we were mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a great photo. It fits mm -hmm. into the theme of the show. Um, it's definitely gonna grab people's attention, so we used it. Unfortunately, the photo, the way that it had been rendered by this person, or the way that it had been manipulated by this person, they had uh, done some unfavorable things to the woman in the thing. Oh, no. So she basically looked pregnant when she wasn't. Oh. And we just thought that she was genu genuinely pregnant. Like, yeah. These two people are a couple. She's just pregnant. That thing that we put up was screenshotted and then used on Reddit on a thread that got over 70,000 upvotes no. for how bad this had put this oh, person no. in the position. Oh, my God. So, we, I mean, we felt terrible about it. I mean, thankfully, it really wasn't like that negative of a thing in the grand scheme of things. But it was a massive internet oh. reaction that's kind of siloed, but still you're like, oh, we actually like really kind of dropped the ball oh, wow. on, you know, validating this and putting it up. So that one was pretty bad. You're just moving so fast. Yeah. You know, that's like, the thing. When gosh. you've got 10 of these things going and you're doing three episodes a week, I mean, 11 plus plus two other ones that we actually do for other people now. I mean, we're, we're putting 30 to 40 episodes up a week. Yeah. And, you know, one way to look at it is we put up 624 last year that didn't have any problems uh -huh. but the 625th had a big <laughs> oh my problem gosh. yeah so 
a lot of that just comes from like finding better sources for stuff and yeah. like trying to validate, but that sucked. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> oh, it's a great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, Jeb, thank you so much for, for, for coming sure. on, on yeah. the show today. How can our listeners, how can our viewers connect with you? Yeah, so I, I mean, I point everyone towards our, our uh, agency stuff right now. Bert made it. I think we're gonna have some more original content and stuff coming out there, so stay tuned. And you can find me, Jeb.Bert, on all socials. All right, yeah. awesome. Well, thanks, Jeb. Appreciate it. All right, and thank you for listening. Thank you for watching the EarFluence podcast. Uh, I'm Jason Gillikin, CEO of EarFluence. If you're interested in full-service podcast production, be sure to visit EarFluence.com or follow along on social where we're at EarFluence Media. And we'll see you next time on the EarFluence podcast.